Blog Talk Radio. Don't mind if you got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and hang it in. Good morning and welcome to Solutions Live Business Edition. I'm your host, Chickie Fitzgerald, coming to you from Tampa, Florida. Solutions Live provides practical advice from authors and experts on a wide range of topics for professionals to help you leave your legacy. Hey, good morning. Excuse me, got a frog in my throat. It is Tuesday, May 26th, and this is Chicky Fitzgerald with Solutions Live, coming to you from sunny Tampa, Florida. We had a very, very rainy week last week, and so it is so nice to have the sunshine back again. Uh, We are going to be joined this morning by the authors of a very, very interesting book about customer service innovation. And while on the surface that sounds like a very dry topic, I can assure you that John Patterson and Chip Bell uh, are going to sing some life into this. So uh, if you will just hang with me for a minute, I will get them on in just a second. But at 10.30, we are going to be joined by Matthew May. And his book, In Pursuit of Excellence, talks about why the best ideas are missing. And so you will find that Matthew uh, will be also talking about innovation, but from a different perspective. And then at 11 o'clock, we are going to be moving up our Escape from Corporate America show and having Carolyn Hudson on as our guest. Uh, Pamela Skilling is my co-host for that show. So I am looking forward to that. But for right now, let's turn to our first guest. Let me get uh, them on the air. Good morning. Is this Jonathan? This is John. Hey, John, how are you? Nice I, you. I uh, just had a call from Chip on my other line, but since I'm already on the show, perhaps you can uh, ping him and let him know. I sent him the call-in number. I just saw your email come up, and so I'm sure. Oh, there he is. Hang okay. on just one second. Let me get him on the line. Good morning, Chip. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> we have a quorum. Hey, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. There so, you John, go. You- John, you're in Atlanta. Yes. How's the weather there today? Not bad. Uh, the rain seems to have gone away for a little while. We, oh, we love thank catching God. up on our rain, but we're glad for it to go away for a little while. Yeah, we uh, we had quite a bit last week. And, you know, I don't so much mind the rain because we get rain every day in the summer uh, in Tampa, but it's usually, you know, confined to a couple of hours a day, and we had gray skies all yep. week. And Chip, remind me where you're calling in from. Well, actually, I'm calling in from uh, Lake Oconee, which is about 90 minutes southeast of Atlanta. Oh, okay, great. Yep. We're just delighted to be on. Well, terrific. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking some time out this morning to talk about innovation. So why don't um, we start uh, first with Chip. Why don't you give us just uh, kind of the thumbnail of your background and how you and John got together? Well, actually, it's an interesting story, we think. Um, I've been involved as a consultant to organizations around customer loyalty 
for almost 30 years. Um, and a number of years ago, John hired me to come work with his organization on creating a service vision and standards as a major hotel company. And so that's how we met. I was actually his consultant. And then the company um, changed hands and was sold, and John decided it was a good time to go into consulting, and we joined forces. That's been seven years ago, John? Uh, almost eight, I think. Almost eight years, yeah. And, John, what's your background? Well, as Chip said, uh, when I met him, I was on the operating side of a major hotel company, and I've always been in positions where I dealt with the customer. Uh, mostly in either financial services or real estate operations. So when I hired this really good consultant, he taught me a lot. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> you're kind. <laughs> uh, we kind of clicked. And that the worked. good ones always cost a lot. Oh, there <laughs> you go. There you go. <laughs> but they're worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. Well, tell me what brought you guys uh, to write Take Their Breath Away. And by the way, I absolutely love the title and I well, love thanks. the cover. Thanks. Oh. Well, I think part of the reason, um, and this is our second book together, uh, part of the reason was we began to see the economy changing and recognize that the whole concept of value added was becoming very expensive. Uh, if you think of value-added as taking the experience you create for customers and adding more, uh, it became very difficult to impossible. The hotel, for example, that might want to upgrade you to the concierge level had, now has to sell that room. Or the the airline that wants to all upgrade you to first class, they need to sell that seat in first class. So I can't afford the extra dessert. Uh, and so... We thought, okay, where where does service need to go when value added is cut off and no longer cost effective or is too expensive? And so we realized if we brought a sense of innovation to service and look for value unique, value the the imaginative little things you can do, it would have a kind of um, awe inspiring experience and and create a story to tell. And so for the customer, so they go back to see their colleagues or friends and say, you're not going to believe what they did. And often the examples we discovered in the clients who worked with and companies that we know is those little imaginative things generally are simple and unexpected and don't don't break the bank and are doable by bank organizations. Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, that you, you started out bringing up uh, some of the hospitality and travel examples because that's where I've spent the bulk of my 30 years uh, in my career and you know it's it's interesting in these uh, very very challenging uh, economic times a lot of these companies and really most companies that that have a, a service face directly to the customer mm -hmm. are laying off frontline people along with all of the support people yeah. and cutting back on those extras and yep. and so you know i know you guys call yourself customer loyalty consultants uh in particular in the hospitality arena where it's really easy to reflag a hotel, you know, from one day, you know, it's a, a Sheraton or a Weston and the next day it's a Marriott mm -hmm. or a Hyatt. How in the world can you build customer loyalty? John, well, do you want to take that? Yeah, let me start there, Chip. And, you you know, I'm going to start with a little bit of a story, Chickie, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, we've, we've been working with a client now for, um, gosh, about a year and a half and uh, traveling to the northeast. And when you're when you're up there every month for um a couple 
a couple of weeks almost, um, you're looking for a home away from home. And um, we found it in a hotel, and it's a major chain. It's in, and this example is in the book. And we really like this hotel um, not because the rooms are just amazing. Uh, they're fine. They're comfortable. Um, and uh, the location's okay. Um, it could be a little more convenient, but it's okay. But we like it because of the connection that the people who work at the hotel have made. When we walk into the hotel and one of our favorite front desk folks says, you're back, and starts talking to us and asking <laughs> cool. us. She comes around from the outside the, hand, the, big, the counter and hugs us. A hug her. from her. Yeah. Uh, she knows we're from the South and we're hugging people. Uh, <laughs> that, that says something. When we walk into the lobby bar slash restaurant and Michael says, um, the usual, uh, or do you need a menu? And so he knows not only our drink order, but he knows our dinner order. That tells us something about how important we are. Oh, absolutely. Michael. And, and here's, here's what's key about it. It's a great place to start, John. And here's, here's to marry the two concepts of what do we do when we cut back. Here's what they've done. Uh, Miss Lillian, who might be normally there, um, they cut her days back, the number of days that she works. And so when she sees on the min- on the ro- roster that we're scheduled to be there that night and it happens to be a night that she's off, she will say to the front desk person who will be there, now these are my two friends they are going to be coming in. Make sure you treat them well. And so we walk in. It's not Miss Lillian. But the person says, oh, I've been expecting you. Miss Lillian said I should really pay, uh, give you great customer service. So <laughs> it doesn't always have to be the one, Miss Lillian or, or, the, or Michael. It can be uh, they can manage it as a team because we know they're cutting back and cutting back hours and staff. But right. you can still manage it. Yeah, I walked in last week, and uh, to Chip's point, uh, the, a young gentleman on the front desk said, Miss Lillian asked me to say hello, and she's so sorry that she had to leave before you got here. Now, they don't have to do that. but the chip No, is- no, but that is just such a powerful demonstration right. yeah. uh, of yeah. what you're and talking so, about. So, you know, that really does create customer devotion, which I, uh-huh. I know is one of your uh, – one of your points of your book, and and in my example about a hotel that reflags from a Marriott to a Sheraton or or a uh, you know a Wyndham to a Hyatt, yep. you know if you got Miss Lillian there, you're going to stay there no matter what the flag is, right? Absolutely. So now all of a sudden it's devotion to Miss Lillian it, and well, how she's been trained and not to the brand. Exactly, you are, and and the key point is um, what you all were talking about earlier is if you change the flag. You know, are you going to change the staff, or are you going to change their attitude? Even more important, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous. That's risky. Yep. Especially today. Well, so it is, and you know, another another industry, and I don't know if you guys work in the banking industry at all, but you know, reflagging is is a common term in, in the, sure. the travel industry and hospitality, but it has become incredibly common in the banking business. Absolutely. You know, one one day it's Wachovia, and the next, next day, day it's Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Right. We, we both have uh, some time in banks. Yep. And we vote, we have uh, banking clients, and uh, it's fascinating what's going on. 
are they taking it seriously? Because I'll tell you that the experience does change. And and we started out as a premier banking customer with Bank of America where they actually came to our home to open the account when we moved uh-huh. here uh, almost 10 years ago. And now not only have we been shuttled off to an 800 number, but we can't get anyone to help us right. you know, in working with you know, renegotiating our mortgage or our line of credit oh, yeah. or, or any of those other things. I think the challenge is going to be um, we understand why banks get big, but if they don't continue to think about the local bank, I'm a local bank. I may be huge and global, but I also, it, it, at the end of the day, it's the relationship. It, it's you know, I don't I don't feel warm and cuddly about, you know, who my banker is, an 800 number. You know, that doesn't do much for me. You know, um, nope. funny that you use this example, Chicky, because I used to be a Premier Banking customer too. And I got the letter in the mail. And I finally called the guy who was my relationship manager. And I said, I know I'm not supposed to call you, but I'm hoping you can help me do something. And he actually called me back. And I asked him, I said, what happened? And he went through all the whole process there of the downsizing and how few relationship managers they have and the model they went to. And I feel the same way you do. And I've been a Bank of America customer for a long time. Right. Yeah, and I mean, actually, they've they've done better than most. But you know, it's interesting because our our Miss Lillian uh, uh, in the banking business is named Ruben, and he actually ended up leaving Bank of America. We went with him to his new bank, and then he switched banks again, and we went with him again. And he's actually now a business partner with my husband in a real estate investment group. Exactly. and and so again, you know, where where does the loyalty and devotion uh you know get integrated? Because, you know, I know you guys also talk about um, you know, what the best way is to help take their breath away. And does this start with management or does it start with the front line? And how do you get it to meet in the middle? Uh, well, I think that you just answered it. I think you try to have it meet in the middle. Yeah, obviously it's easier if it starts at the top. We all know that. But it doesn't have to start at the top, and we've seen great examples where grassroots kind of efforts have sort of uh, been the impetus for organizational change. You know, I think the key is light many fires, started in lots of places. Um, and, and, you know, again, if you can get management to buy into it, that's terrific. But I certainly wouldn't want to say, well, as soon as my boss likes this, then I will. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think as a culture and as a society, we are becoming more entrepreneurial in general, um, and we're seeing more of a legitimization of that grassroots. Take a look at social media. You know, what does Facebook and uh, Twitter yeah. tell us? It, it says people want control and they want a way to connect and they want it customized. And so the more organizations can create the opportunity for people to be entrepreneurs in the organization. Uh, it's not totally relied on the top. I love your question, Jackie. Let's let's look at one of the uh, companies that is just doing fantastic right now, which is Zappos.com. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with them? Yes, absolutely. And Although I'm, I don't have a shoe fetish, I do know who they are. <laughs> oh, well, we don't either, but we know who they are. And... Uh, we know what a great job they've done there, and they've been able to combine the best of what we're talking about. They've created a culture where serving the customer is number one, uh-huh. and you can be very entrepreneurial in inside of a business that has grown to over a billion dollars in revenue a year. 
but they've built it around some ten incredible core values, and clearly their leadership's on board. But what you get there is a whole company full of Miss Lillians, mm-hmm. or a whole company full of Rubens. So if in, in, if your rep leaves at Zappos, there's one just like them who has the same mindset, the same values to take care of you. So they've embraced it throughout the organization, which is obviously, as you said, a meeting in the middle, the best of all worlds. Right. But they've put the customer first. And if you read their stuff, if you listen to interviews with their CEO, they talk about we're a service company that just happens to sell stuff over the Internet. Right. Our job's to wow our customers. Well, you know, and and uh, it is wonderful to hear those kinds of stories. I think what what I would like to shift to though is you guys don't get called in when everything is great. <laughs> you know, with customers like Zappos who mm-hmm. who are doing a wonderful job or, or perhaps you do, but I think uh, the more But more often it's the latter. Yeah, more often it's the one who doesn't have consistent customer service or they have downright bad customer right. service. And and they don't know how to treat their customers, or they're, uh, you know, just hear no evil, see no evil, and are ignoring what's going on with what I call word of mouth media, which right. is this whole social media trend. And they it's out of control, and they don't know how to handle it. So mm-hmm. what do you guys do? One of the things that we do, it's a great question. One of the things we do is try to help them get a lot of learnings about what their customers expect. To us, it starts with the customer. Um, and if you're, if that's my focal point, if they're my patient, so to speak, and I've got an upset or sick patient, then I need to do some sort of assessment to figure out what's important to get them whole or get them well, to use that analogy. So I think it starts with a deep understanding of what is, what is it that's going to drive customer loyalty. And from that, we try to help organizations now sort of recalibrate where they go and how they do to be more responsive. And sometimes that path to how do we become much more customer-centered in how we do that begins with crafting a, a clear experience of this is what we want our experience to look like, feel like at every touch point, internal and external. Uh, it includes, we call it a service vision, but it's a picture of what that experience needs to, it needs to be uh, consistently. And it start, includes developing standards and norms that say this is what how we need to act to con, to um, to be consistent with that picture. Uh, it means developing the right metrics that help us monitor what we do. Uh, it includes how we select people, how we train and orient people so that they uh, are focused all in the same direction. So it's a whole whole process of alignment. It sometimes includes helping managers begin to identify the evidence when we do act consistent with our picture and the accountability, which is always a tough nut to crack, the accountability that's present that drives a discipline, discipline in a positive sense, uh, a rigor to to bring uh, organization focused on the customer. And again, bringing that customer in. How many times do we sit in on a leadership meeting uh, about the importance of things that are going on in the business and the customer's never mentioned? And so we try to help them bring that voice of the customer and the presence of the customer in everything they do. 
And and so we talked a little bit about the social media sites like Twitter and Facebook. Are, are you guys getting dragged into helping your your clients with figuring out how to navigate all of that? Sometimes they're, be, they're beginning to ask us yeah. uh, about that. Um, as you know, we we are tweeting. Uh, Chip and I are learning that medium uh, the best we can and trying to understand how best we can use it. And we've seen some wonderful examples of how companies are using this to communicate with the customers, both receiving information from customers but also responding to information or letting customers know what's going on. So we're just beginning to get asked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, may- maybe that's an area where we can uh, collaborate because I've spent the last five months uh, just getting totally embroiled right. uh, in social Good. media. And I'm, I'm actually launching a book club uh, next week because my uh, my radio show is going on hiatus for the summer, but I'm doing a, a book club on uh, what I'm calling word of mouth media, because it isn't just about uh, you know tweeting and and updating Facebook. It's about how it all hangs together and and how it impacts companies when their senior executives don't understand how to use it, exactly. uh, both personally oh, yeah. or professionally. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's shift gears here for a little bit. Uh, I was watching last week uh, the the old movie You've Got Mail. Uh, where where you've got uh, a small bookstore, yep. uh, you know, very very specialized, uh, you know, focusing on kids, and you know, around the corner is is this big box, uh, you know, store. Uh, in in the movie, it's called Fox. Right. Uh, you know, but it's obviously a, a play on what happens all over the country with Barnes sure. and Noble sure. and, and uh, Borders. And so, how can small businesses and entrepreneurs um, top the service? Uh, that's being offered by those big big box stores and actually make a difference and keep the business uh, that they would otherwise lose? I'd probably start by hiring Meg Ryan, but no. <laughs> In your dream, Absolutely. I could resist. Hiring Tom Hanks and hiring Meg Ryan. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good question. We have a lot of clients that ask that question, um, and I think it comes down to, and this is in many ways part of the target of the book, is – it is how how you can one up the big boxes is through the experience you create, um, and and that starts with focusing on that relationship, focusing on when they come into my let's use the the you've got you've got mail example. If I owned a little bookstore. It'd be the most customer-focused bookstore you've ever seen. I would figure out ways to make sure that I had a linkage to my customers in a way that the big box can't. I'd look for ways to do tailored stuff that the big boxes can't. Um, I'd say, what can I offer um, that that the the the, um, the big boxes can't provide? My dad had a uh, small farm and was trying to grow corn when I was growing up and. He had 1,300 acres. Well, compared to the big places out in Kansas that grow corn on 500,000 acres, he, he, he wasn't able to compete. And so I, one day I remember asking him, what can you do with this land that a 500,000-acre uh, place can't do? And he said, probably blueberries. They take a lot of tender love and care. So I'd find the blueberries, so to speak, in my store and say, what can I do different? that a big box can't. We come back to the experience. Here are a couple of quick examples from the book about um, small businesses that have taken this to heart. One of our favorite 
is a men's clothing store in Atlanta called Miller Brothers. And if you go in Miller Brothers, you'll notice the difference immediately because they design the store with the experience of the customer in mind, and you can see the connection to their customer throughout the store. And what I mean by that is, in addition to uh, having great displays, meaning you can easily see what they've got, they have really plush seating. It's a very comfortable place. They wanted to make it a place where this is a, a men's clothing store where men could come and feel very comfortable. So you know us guys, sometimes we like to have a cold beer. And so they have a fully stocked bar, self-service, yeah. or, they'll, or they'll get it for you. And when I say fully stocked, I'm so, I mean fully stocked. And as they built this for their customers, it's very accessible. If you bring the kid with you, there's a gumball machine, one of those old gumball machines with all those brightly colored gumballs in it and right next to it a small dish with pennies. So your kids are going to go down there and feed the gumball machine and let Dad look at a few clothes and do what they need to do. And they, <laughs> I love the dish of pennies. That, that Oh, yeah. yeah. But they made this connection, and the, the two brothers are right there when you walk in uh, to, to help you and connect with you, and they know so much about their customers that they built the whole store so that it would connect with their customers. And they're also, doing something. Yeah, they're doing something Nordstrom can't do. Yeah, yeah, they really are. We also uh, we had a client send us a story when we were writing the book about a tire store. Now you know if you go to a tire store, you don't go there every week or every month. You don't need tires, hopefully, that that often. So you just go there periodically. And uh, this a client of ours wrote us wrote us and told us that her husband went by the tire store, hadn't been there in over a year, pulled in and parked, and by the time he opened the door. One of the people in the store said, Mr. Jones, thanks for coming back. How can we help you today? Now, he knew that there's no way that he'd ever met that salesperson before, but somehow they knew who he was. Turns out the tire store records everybody's license plate when they bring their car in, puts it in the database, and they watch people pull into the parking lot. And oh, if you wow. park your car, they type your license plate into the computer, and up pops the data on Mr. Jones. And they greet you by name. Now, that is brilliant. Even though you hadn't been there Mr. in two Jones years. Go, where's Mr. Jones going to go for tires? <laughs> no kidding. And, and what's he going to say? You talk about word of mouth. What's he going to tell people about? The tires he got over there? Nope. He's going to tell them about that experience. And that's what really... That does, that, uh, think about how little that costs to be able to create that. Or how little it costs to put a gumball machine in a little thing of pennies in a men's clothing store. Right. I mean, it's they're, they're not costly items. It's not, but, and you can say, well, that bar. Well, in reality, no customer's going to sit there and drink very much. They might have a cold beer on a hot day, which is in Atlanta, Georgia, is an awesome experience to be able to walk in there and have a cold beer while you're looking at some things. Right, absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I had a hair salon that used to uh, always make sure to have have the right kind of wine there when I was there for a, a two hour color color treatment. And yeah, I mean, it, it's the little things that make the yeah. difference, absolutely. And it's to Chip's point, it's knowing enough about the customer to know what makes a difference to the customer. Exactly. Make the connection. 
Because if you miss, then it, it, it isn't going to have that same impact. Well, absolutely. Well, in in the, the last couple of minutes, and, I, and this has just absolutely flown by, guys. I, I've really oh, we've enjoyed it. it. We're having a good time. <laughs> well, let me let me just remind folks um, that your book is called "Take Their Breath Away," and uh, can you let them know how to reach you? Sure. Go to www.taketheirbreathaway.com, and right there you can connect with us. Uh, either through email, through our blog, or you can get our cell phone numbers. It's all right there on TakeTheirBreathAway.com. Okay, great. And you, you do also have Twitter uh, links there. We I are. Yes, you'll there. Find, on there you'll find uh, Chip Arbell is Chip's Twitter address. John R. Pat is mine. And uh, you can connect with us there. Those Twitter addresses are on the website as well. Okay. Well, what All I have to well, remember is the title of the book. That's all it takes. Well, and it's a great title. Uh, I, I don't know how much you guys had, had to do with that or whether that was your publisher, but uh, Take Their Breath Away when you talk about customer service is, is clearly not the norm and the status quo. No, so. no. <clears throat> okay, well, thank well, you guys so, so much. Oh, well, thank you, Chicky. We've enjoyed every minute of it. All right, well, great. You guys have a terrific day. We'll do it. You Just too. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.